Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Sports, man. Sports. Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Spectacular. This is the greatest Bickley and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bickley and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to another riveting edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings. We'll work on the riveting part. Trust me on that. We'll get there soon enough. Hi, Vinny. Bickley, your ego's writing checks your body cash. Yeah, today that might actually be the case. <laughs> nah, we'll be great. Uh, I've got a great little story to chew on to begin our show today to set the mood, if you will. Uh, somebody did research on the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, I'm so glad you talked about this. You always love jumping in a story and telling me you know about it. <laughs> he loves it. I mean, I, I mean, I get ready for the show too, Bick. You know, right? I got gotcha. you. <laughs> it's not an All exclusive right. so, thing to you, so, right? But so the Los Angeles Lakers tweet out something after every game, a graphic after every game, and there is never a picture of LeBron James on the graphic after a loss. It's only other people. Wow! Yeah, really? How, how's that for team chemistry? How do you think that goes over in the Lakers locker room? I actually pulled the audio of the full breakdown that this guy Kenny Beecham did, which is fascinating stuff. It's like a minute long. Do you want you want to hear? Yeah, the whole let's breakdown? do it. Yeah. All right, here, here you go. This is great. So the Lakers just lost to the Pelicans. And NBA social media teams have to make a graphic to tell the rest of the fans if they won or lost. And it's the same across all thirty organizations. Every team does it. But I was looking at the Lakers final tweet. And I saw this one and it was interesting. Told y'all they not put a LeBron's picture in an L final score tweet. I wonder if he got that in his contract, LMAO. And I saw that and I was like, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and do that research. I'm going to go look at every single final score tweet from the Lakers social media team and try to figure out if LeBron James has ever been used as the picture of a loss. So I went to their tweets and I strolled. I strolled from today all the way into the season opener against the Golden State Warriors. And what I found out was the Lakers have lost 43 games this season. And LeBron James has not been used on a loss graphic at all. Isn't that special? Not one time. So here's a stat breakdown for the losses. Malik Monk has been used 10 out of the 43 losses. <laughs> He's killing everybody. And what He's killing everyone. Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook have not been used on a losing graphic yet. And I know the next question. What about the winning graphics? I'm already ahead of you. When it comes to the wins, LeBron James and Russell Westbrook is killing the competition. Also, Anthony Davis was only used for one winning graphic. I know bro been injured a bunch, but just one. So yeah, I just spent the last hour of my life doing his research, but I got no regrets. That's what. Uh, th- that's the kind of stuff that rekindles my faith in the I, internet. I can't. Well get done, of that. Kenny yeah. Beecham. I cannot get enough of that story. That there you go. That is the LeBron experience in a nutshell. It's really about him and his narcissism, and was, that's really about it. I was told this week that he's the MVP. Yeah, yeah. I was told that Phoenix should trade for him. <laughs> Let's trade DeAndre Ayton, Cam, jo- Cam Johnson. <laughs> There's Damn. 
Johnson? Hey, let's just say this. There's a reason why Charles Oakley is not working as an NBA <laughs> yeah, analyst. Right? And he's a podcast guest right. occasionally. It's, again, it, uh, this is this is why you and your LeBron is the greatest is the most foolish take I've ever heard in my life, Carlin. The stuff behind the scenes that you don't know or refuse to recognize. Okay. I can't. That, do you know how bad that is for a team? Dan. You know what I can't Are wait you, for? What, oh, Jared? Michael Jordan, master of chemistry. <laughs> Come on. Hey, worked out pretty well for them. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that. I'm not saying that. But there was stuff Michael wouldn't do, and that, that kind of crap he wouldn't do. When things got bad, he just retired. Three times. Three <laughs> Well, LeBron is old See? enough to have retired three right, times. So I know, but he's point. still great. So he set the mood. Unlike Jordan. He set By the, the mood. By the way, the jersey underneath your floral print looks great today, Jared. <laughs> yeah. That's uh-huh. a Team LeBron. That's yeah. Nice hair shirt, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a hair, hair suit. <laughs> yeah, right. he, just, he just trimmed it that uh-huh. way. Uh-huh. I think it's pronounced for you, hair suit. Yeah. A suit <laughs> made of hair. <laughs> All right, start the show, Jared. Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. The Splash. Brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. The Arizona Cardinals did indeed make a free agent signing yesterday. They bring in offensive guard Will Hernandez on a one-year deal. Hernandez, a former second-round pick out of UTEP in 2018, four-year starter for the Giants, played in all 17 games last year and led the team playing 95.2% of their offensive snaps, Six foot two, 330 pounds. And should be the starter at right guard over Justin Murray, who missed most of last season with an injury. We talked about this yesterday, late in the show when the news broke, Bick. But, um, you know, it's not a sexy hire. It's a right guard, but it fills a need. Yeah. And it's a guy that has proven to be available and durable, which is something they didn't have at that position. Mm -hmm. So I think this, even though, you know, the pro football focus grades for Will Hernandez aren't great, this is the first position, really, that the Cardinals have upgraded this offseason. Yeah, and and I, I feel the same way you do. Even though we can't say for sure who this guy is as a player based on his metrics, I do I do put faith in the, the combination of Sean Coogler and him. Mm-hmm. A guy that coached him in college obviously has very good insight into what kind of player he is. He's available. He's a good run blocker. And so that's, there you go. That's, it, it, to me, I agree. That is a step in the right direction. So I, I do like the signing by the Cardinals. I do too. Banner football day yesterday for the city of Detroit. How often have we ever been able to say that? The Lions will be this summer's participants in HBO's Hard Knocks. And yesterday, the league announced the 2024 NFL Draft will be held in Detroit. Whoa! Yeah. Springtime in Detroit. Wow. <laughs> Pretty well, good day no, for them, it, right? No, it, Yeah, it is. It makes sense. They like to do these drafts in, in great Midwestern cities that can attract fans from all over. Right. Yeah. Roadies. Right, and they also choose Detroit sometimes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Phoenix Suns don't play again until tomorrow night when they visit the Warriors in San Francisco, but Monday brought another honor to guard Devin Booker, who was named the Western Conference Player of the Week for the third time this season. Book averaged 37.3 points per game for the Suns, who went 3-0 and on the week. He also chipped in with 6.3 assists per contest and shot a blistering 58% from the floor. So well-deserved. DeAndre Ayton was also up for that award, but 
Uh, that's three weekly awards for Devin Booker. Yeah. Definitively not an MVP candidate, when you, right? When you when you get a couple of teammates competing for an award like that, you know it's been a good week or a good month. Oh, or a good season. Or a good season, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, some interesting stuff in the NBA last night. Speaking of tomorrow's opponent, the Warriors got run out of the gym in Memphis, 123-95 to by the Grizzlies, who were playing without John Morant and Jaron Jackson right. Jr., Warriors didn't have Curry, Thompson, or Green, and they are clinging to that third spot in the West just a game and a half over Dallas. Elsewhere, Toronto went overtime to beat Boston 115-112. Pascal Siakam had 40 points, and with the loss, this is how tight the Eastern Conference is. Boston went from first to fourth with one loss. Um, Do you know that the Suns are now 13 and a half games ahead of the Warriors? (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Isn't that crazy? There is a, we're going to get into this later, or at least I am going to. The way the Suns are playing relative to everybody else in the league, this could be a drama-free postseason. Oof. Well, maybe for some no. people. It won't be for me. <laughs> What's that? Devin That's Booker, well said. Devin That's Booker right. hit by a bus? What? Right. Right. Uh, I've, but those do happen. Those do happen in basketball when you've got a team that just cannot be stopped. Fo, fo, and, fo. and that's what the Suns look like right now. Yeah. They're playing with an anger and an attitude to them that is just fabulous. Anyways, continue, Vinny. I just got overtaken by this uneasy feeling. Yeah. <laughs> Dan Bickley quote, Suns in 16. Yeah, right. That's 16 right. 16-0, oh, baby. Right. right. Uh, San Antonio got a 123-120 road win in Houston behind 33 points and 11 assists from DeJounte Murray. With that win, San Antonio just a half game behind the Lakers for 10th place in the final play-in spot. The Lakers are in Dallas tonight. LeBron is listed as doubtful, and so is Anthony Davis, which I think is adorable. Uh, And Paul George of the Clippers is expected to return to the floor tonight against the Utah Jazz. George has missed the last 43 games with a torn UCL in his right elbow. Coyotes losing streak hit six straight. They got blistered by Edmonton 6-1. Coyotes hung with the Oilers early. Clayton Keller's 28th goal of the year cut the Edmonton lead 2-1. But the Oilers added three goals in the second period to put it away. They're home tomorrow night to take on San Jose at Gila River Arena. D-backs got shut down by Clayton Kershaw, but then rallied late to uh, beat the Dodgers in Cactus League play 5-3 at Salt River Fields. All five runs coming in the seventh inning, highlighted by a David Peralta two-run blast. They'll be in Mesa today to face the Cubs. The Cubs! At the Sloan Park. Zach Davies making his Arizona debut against his former team. That game gets underway at 105. And the final four in the NCAA Women's Tournament is set. UConn is going for the 14th straight time, but it wasn't easy. They needed double overtime to knock off top seed NC State 91-87. By the way, why was NC State a one seed in a region with UConn, the two seed, and the regional final was held in Bridgeport, Connecticut? Hmm. Hmm. That doesn't Hmm. seem all that fair. (laughs) Uh, In the Hmm. other semifinal, Louisville topped uh, Michigan 62-50, so the Cardinals and Huskies will join Stanford and South Carolina for the final four in Minneapolis. We read the same sports newsletter, uh, the Axios Sports Newsletter. Did you see the note on UConn's final four run? The last time they missed the Final Four was months before the first iPhone was released in 2007. Holy cow. (laughs) (laughs) Holy cow. Now, they haven't won a title in a while. Right. But 14 straight Final Fours is... That's unbelievable. Unheard of. Yeah, it is. There you go. There's your splash for Tuesday, March 29th. Coming up next, Suns enjoying some time off before they go to San Francisco to face the Warriors and then to Memphis to take on the Grizzlies. We'll give you the latest Suns news next. Pickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 
Bickley and Murata. Dan Bickley and Vince Murata. Bickley and Murata Mornings. 98.7 FM. Arizona's Sports Station. That's everything, you know, especially this isn't just any any old franchise. This is a very storied, rich history-having franchise. So, you know, to go up there with with those ones, those guys that have, that have shaped and turned this into a, a basketball town, um, you know, that, that would be a, a true honor. That is Devin Booker, the reigning Western Conference Player of the Week. He won that award yesterday after averaging 37 points and over six assists in the Mm -hmm. uh, Suns' three wins last week. But talking about what is one win away, and that would be tying the franchise record for wins in a season for the uh, Phoenix Suns. They've they've reached 60 for only the fourth time in franchise history in 50-plus years. Um, The next uh, two games, I mean, the the Memphis game is going to be tough. The Grizzlies are playing really good, but... There's a real good chance they go to San Francisco and tie that record. And we've kind of pondered it, mm-hmm. considered how important it is for this team, how important it is for everything in the big picture for the Suns. And I guess the way to boil it down for me, Bick, is if it's important for the guys in the uniforms and the coaching staff on the bench to knock that record off, then it should be important to everybody mm-hmm. uh, w- with a tie into the organization. And I think it's it, inevitable at this point. That's how well they're playing. Well, w- which record are we talking about? Are we just Fran- talking about... Franchise wins. Okay, yeah. I mean, that's obviously going to happen sooner rather than later, and I don't have any doubt that that's going to happen. I, I look uh, even beyond that is... What is this franchise looking at? Do they want to just keep this thing burning at this level all the way through the end of the season? Uh, There is a... You hear Devin Booker drop the word legacy Mm -hmm. the other day, and it got me thinking. If the Suns did rattle off wins all throughout now in the end of the season, finish the regular season conceivably with a 15-game winning streak, which is possible. I mean, who's going to beat them right now the way they're playing? Again, when you have and to yeah, beat them and, four out of seven yeah, times, yeah. But even just even now, going down the going down the the road to the end of the regular season, yeah. Memphis is playing good, but Memphis isn't Phoenix, and so if they're without John ja Morant still, then the Suns are probably going to win that game if they want to win that game. Vinny, there's only six teams in NBA history that have won 68 games in a regular season. So if if the Suns look at that, they Chris Paul might be looking at that going, we can be in the team picture of the greatest regular season teams in history. You you go to 67 and there's a gaggle of teams that have won 67. Mm-hmm. 7 of them I believe. And then a bunch that have won 66. What? So six, you said 6 have won 68 or more? 6 have won 68 wow. or more. 73 Celtics the 67-76ers, the 72 Lakers. You remember that team, don't you, Vinny? The 97 Bulls. The 96 <laughs> Goodridge. The 96 Bulls and the 97 Bulls. And then the Golden State Warriors. Two of those six teams did not win the NBA Finals. The Golden State Warriors fam- famously. Yeah, when they won 73. Yep, and the 73 Boston Celtics lost in the Conference Finals. But that's it. That's a small grouping of teams that have won 68 or more games. You get to 68, you are, you're elite. And Chris Paul might be looking at that going, that's what I want. I want to be on a 68-win basketball team. But then again, you, you weigh the, the importance of, of the two options. I know. I know. 68 wins. Yeah, you're certainly elite. But you also risk being a footnote, yeah, an asterisk. Do. Hey, yes, that do. was one of those 68-win teams yes, that didn't, didn't win the title. Yes, you do. Now that we're past the Chris Paul injury, too, I think this is interesting. Because when, when Chris Paul got hurt right before the All-Star break, uh, that was kind of the event that I think 
pessimistic Suns fans waiting for the other shoe to drop. We're, we're thinking, oh, great. This magical season is going to be derailed because Chris Paul is going to be out. Will mm-hmm. he be back for the playoffs? Mm-hmm. Well, he healed quickly like he promised he would. He's back. He doesn't look like there's any rust at all. So now going into the playoffs and going down the home stretch of this regular season when they're pursuing a franchise wins record, Monty Williams was asked on Sunday, um, you know, was that a blessing in disguise for Chris Paul to have that time off? Here was Monty's thoughts on it. <laughs> I've already lied twice about the minutes I wanted to get him to. I didn't want to get him to pass 26. The last game he got to 30. Tonight he's at 30. I think he's at 36. So um, I think it is for sure to give his his body and his mind a chance to rest a little bit, even though he probably doesn't rest as much as you think from a mental standpoint. But I think it, it has been good for his body. Yeah, just think of that. That's 15 yeah. games oh, yeah. of 30-plus no. minutes that Chris Paul – not only didn't get the, you know accumulate the wear and tear oh, of those NBA games, the mental aspect of it, but also 15 games of not risking further injury, which and, has yeah. been a, kind of a bugaboo. And for him. think about all the growth that has happened from players who have had a bit to have been able to step up. Landry Shamit comes to mind. Um, <clears throat> Mikael Bridges has grown his game. Mm-hmm. So th- this is really going to turn out to be a blessing in disguise, I believe. So the question just becomes. I look at this, and sensibly, I, my head tells me you, you certainly don't play everybody playoff regular minutes from now to the end of the regular season. That just doesn't feel smart. But at the same time, the way su- the Suns are cooking teams right now, mm-hmm. you know, you don't know if you want to mess with that. So it's 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 fascinating because Chris Paul he wants to go. He's been away for a long time. He's ready to go. Oh, and you could tell. I mean, mm-hmm. he actually talked about it uh, after Sunday's game of, of feeling a little fatigued and trying to get his wind back. But watching him play, does it? It doesn't look any different. I mean, he's been able to manage it very quick, uh, very uh, get back to that point very quickly in two mm-hmm. games. Now, um, to your point, does anybody even want to mess with the Suns right now? That's where the Golden State conundrum is very interesting to me. I don't know if Golden State is. Confident or being overconfident? Because if I was a team in the Western Conference, I would try to prolong my inevitable matchup with the Phoenix Suns as long as possible. Mm -hmm. But the Golden State Warriors, by the handling of their personnel, they're losing a lot of games. They're now like 7-15 and in their last 22 games. They're in danger of falling into that 4-5 spot, which if you look ahead, would be a second-round matchup Mm -hmm. with the Phoenix Suns as opposed to a potential conference finals matchup. Uh I don't understand. Maybe it's not a strategy. Maybe they have no choice. But if it is a strategy, I question the the wisdom in that strategy for Golden State. Yeah, yeah, I do too. But the the big issue is when is Steph Curry going to come back for them? That, That, to me, is the real fluid situation. And as you said, if you watched any of the highlights of last night, Steve Kerr lost his mind in that game. He has got a team that is just circling. Did he get ejected right. from that game? I don't know he if did. he did. He did, yeah. he did yeah. get ejected. Yeah, he, was, he lost it. So um, it's not like they're just resting because they don't care. Right. They obviously care if he's getting that animated during games. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. So it's And that, again, that's kind of what I said earlier. You look at the Grizzlies, and they just posted a stat that they are 18-2 and two without John Moran, and that's the best stretch in NBA history by a team missing its all-star. I don't know how they 
crunch these numbers and come up with these stats these days. But yeah, but somehow one. John Morant will be in the MVP. Uh, yeah, no, I don't <laughs> think he will. Yeah, I, yeah I, think, I think this has kind of ruined it for John Morant. But but again, it, it, that that to me, it, if if that's the number one concern for the Phoenix Suns, then this is... This is shaping up quite nicely. Yep. It's your last shot to participate in the madness. Text Bucks to 62620. Choose from the last four teams for your chance to win $500. That's Bucks, B U C K S, to 62620. It's the Arizona Sports Bracket Bucks presented by Santan Ford and Schwartz Laser Eye Center. Coming up next, Cardinals made a signing to address a need. How does that shape the rest of their offseason plan? We'll tackle it straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. I didn't want to think too much into it. Um, I know, you know, things haven't been going smooth as, as they could have these last few years. So I'm not going to, you know, sit here and demand anything or, or say I want this or that. I'm going to take what I can get and I'm going to show why I deserve um, what it is that I want later on um, after, you know, I show um, what it is exactly that I can do. I'm not, I'm not too uh, picky right now on on having what I want to, what I want to have, multi-year. I, I want to come out here. My mentality is come out here, show why I deserve it, and then get it done. It's new Arizona Cardinals offensive guard Will Hernandez signed the one-year deal yesterday, and there was the explanation on it. And man, isn't that refreshing to hear? An Arizona Cardinal player willing to bet on himself, yeah, and prove himself on the football field, and hope right. of getting a long-term deal, yeah. down the road, yeah. <laughs> Gee, I wonder who you could be talking about there. I, no, I'm just talking generally, just generally. Oh yeah, I'm not. Yeah, okay. I'm not pointing at anyone. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Okay, I, I've been like many, very critical of the Cardinals' inactivity. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but this this move does make sense. And so that there's that. So maybe this is a baby step forward. Offensive lineman. <laughs> Uh, offensive linemen are as anonymous as they usually, as anonymous as they come in sports. One of the exceptions will join us in studio today, Mark Schlereth, ladies and gentlemen, who is in this building. Yes, he is. Um, And what a trooper. He's going to finish up his show and then come do our show. Isn't that great? Yeah. What a guy. Yeah. So to me, I think that what what it symbolizes probably is more important than the player because this is a it makes sense. It's a position of need. It's a guy that he, while he doesn't look like he's great on paper, he's not going to be you know first team All NFL and all that stuff. He fills a need, and and if Sean Coogler as the uh, offensive line guru really feels like this is something he can work with, mm-hmm. and I trust him on that. So, yeah, this is good. Yeah, he uh, Will Hernandez also joined Wolf and Luke yesterday and talked about his relationship with Sean Coogler, uh, you know, in the past and how that will come back up now that he's with the Cardinals. First of all, me and Coach Coogler have a great relationship. Um, we're very tight. We respect one another. Um, you know, and, and, and to be honest with you, he's one of the biggest reasons why I even made it into the NFL in the first place. Uh, he took me into UTEP and uh, molded me to the player that that, that I am. And uh, I I, I, uh, I have a lot to thank that guy for. So what better way to come out here and uh, bust my butt for him and the team? Yeah, I made this point yesterday, too, and people, people that are against this signing or think it's eh, a big deal. They'll look at the the pro football focus numbers or, you know, what's been written about Will Hernandez with his time at the Giants. I mean, mm-hmm. you can go down the list of Giants offensive linemen over the last three or four years that have been termed disappointments. I mean, Nate Solder left New England. He's been a disappointment in, in New mm-hmm. York. They haven't been able to get untracked as an offensive line, and that's their problem. But moving mm-hmm. forward, a change of scenery yep. coupled with the fact that you're reuniting with a college coach who you heard it right there. He says you know, the biggest reason, one of the biggest reasons why he even made it to the NFL. 
Um, that's got to be a, a new yeah. lease for Will Hernandez. And and they made the playoffs last yeah. year with their top right guard playing three games in Justin Murray. Yeah. And it was patchwork. And, and Josh Jones, I think, figures into the future of this offensive line, but not a guard. I think he's mm-hmm. more of a tackle, and he was playing out of position last year. I, I like this, and I also like what it does for the rest of the offseason plan. You know, we're within a month now, uh, less than a month away from, from the NFL draft. And yeah. The Cardinals at number 23. Um, they're not out of the woods. There's still a lot of work to do to build this roster, but this gives them a little bit more flexibility on, on the areas that they can look. Now, could they still go offensive guard at number 23? I guess. And if you follow the mock draft tracker on ArizonaSports.com, you'll see that there's a couple of offensive linemen mm. that could play guard, including Zion Johnson from, from Boston College, who figure into a lot of those projections at 23. But this now, you know, if, if you really see edge rusher, cornerback, and wide receiver, too, as yeah. areas of need, which you should, yeah. the Cardinals could maybe look to that at number 23 I, as a post-offensive I, listen, line. Listen, that, that to me, yeah, I think the signing of Will Hernandez guarantees they are not taking an offense. Well, I shouldn't say guarantees, but it, it would seem to me uh, a good bet that that first round pick is going to be spent on a, a high leverage position, mm-hmm. edge rusher, wide receiver. Now the folly, of course, is are are you doing that out of desperation because you think you have to draft a starter? It, 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 and again, I don't need to remind them how how bad that strategy is when you don't draft well. By the and and this time they're not doing it with a top ten or top fifteen pick either. True. Right. Um, which right. <laughs> again, the quality of player, and I haven't I haven't seen a lot of the breakdowns on, on what the experts believe uh, in terms of overall quality of the first round. Yeah. You know, sometimes they'll say, "Oh, there's a big drop off after this or this," mm-hmm. but um, from what I've been able to read, it looks like a pretty well balanced uh, first round crop of guys that could fit into number twenty three for the Cardinals. But yeah, um, yeah, I. I <laughs> I would much rather see them now with this signing and a one-year signing, and it might be a stopgap thing. We don't know. Uh, but go for a, a higher leverage position. Yeah. And wide receiver, too. I like a lot of the receivers in this draft. The weird thing about the Cardinals and where they're drafting is you still see projections at number 23 for a couple of those high-leverage uh, positions, edge rusher and wide receiver, mm-hmm. and they could be pegged into a player who's coming off a devastating injury. David Ajabo is still getting projected at number 23, the edge rusher from Michigan. Tore his Achilles in his pro day, so mm-hmm. you would expect him not to be ready when the season starts. Jamison Williams, a wide receiver from Alabama, who I absolutely think is a stud, mm-hmm. but tore his ACL in the national championship game. How, how ready is he going yeah, to be when, a- when September rolls around? Especially if you're the Cardinals and you're looking for somebody to fill that big gap at wide receiver too, can you yeah. wait for a rookie that to could, develop? Jamison Williams could be a real good value pick, but then again, can you wait on your dividend from him? That's that's kind of the position the Cardinals are in. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. if you're really looking for a plug and play kind of guy, which they might have to be, and again, their signings are not done. I think you're going to see more B level guys come in. Yeah, and, and I think Will Hernandez is good because I think even. Even if people don't know about him, when they see him, they'll go, wow, that's a big dude. That looks like an offensive lineman. The optics of Will Hernandez should make Kyler Murray feel a lot better. He's a big dude. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and he's a mauler. He's a run game kind of guy. So uh, to me, it's if you can bring in guys to, to, to play the positions of need who have already done it, that's what I would recommend the Cardinals to do. Because then, then you take that desperation out of the equation. Because there, there's something they are not doing right 
when it comes to NFL drafting. And midway through it all, I don't know whether it's Jason Light not being with the organization anymore. I don't know. I I remember a couple years ago, maybe three years ago, Steve Kime said, you know, we're going to change this up. I'm going to get more involved. I was delegating too much. That was the issue. I need to be more in charge. And that really hasn't worked yet. So, And again, drafting NFL players is a very inexact thing. It's very difficult to do. But the good teams find a way to do it better than others. Yeah, uh, and you're right. Outside of the last three years, well, we can go to the last four years now. Uh, 2018, they hit on a couple. Christian Kirk and Chase Edmonds worked out. They're both elsewhere now. Uh, they also drafted Josh Rosen and Mason Cole high in that draft. Those didn't work. You ever out. see that Josh Rosen guy, Jarrett? I've seen him in the stands alone, <laughs> <laughs> looking at games. That's, that's about that all I've seen. Him. Okay, continue, Vinny. So th- those are definitely misses. Uh, definitely Ky- misses. You know, Kyler Murray at number one. It, 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 for as much discussion as we've had at Kyler Murray, it's worked out. To yeah, the, to this yeah, point. we're still cool with that. Byron Murphy at two. Zach Allen three. I mean, the 2019 draft wasn't that's wasn't horrible, yeah. but they also had Akeem Butler in the fourth round. Never played a game for them. Um, you know, couple guys still on the team, and, and Michael Dogby and, and Deontay Thompson. Twenty twenty has been, eh. Isaiah Simmons, Josh Jones, Lucky Foto, Richard Lawrence, Eno Benjamin. Yeah, a guy. I mean, a lot of guys still with the team, but but, uh, but yeah, yeah uh, one big contributor there. And then last year is a crapshoot. Zayvon Collins, big big year two coming up. Rondell Moore, big year two coming up. Marco Wilson, same thing, uh, and then depth guys, Demukeji, and um, you know a couple guys that aren't with the team anymore. But yeah. it, it's been underwhelming, yeah. and I think that's the the kindest description you can use. Yeah, no, that's exactly right. And as the stat that we've uh, thrown out there before, the thing that blew me uh, my mind about the Rams is there's this there's this perception that the Rams are foreclosing everything on the NFL draft. The drafting players does not matter to them anymore. Nothing could be further than the truth. They've just They've just sold off their first round picks, and they've drafted extremely well beyond that. And the the stat that blew my mind was in the last three years, they've drafted eight starters from the second round on. Mm-hmm. And that's that's getting it done. Because that's, that's allowing your franchise to trade its most valuable assets, first round draft picks, for whatever you need, whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And then you're, then you're hitting with the rest of your picks. That's the way to do it. Here's just some of the names from from 2017 on. Cooper Cup. Um, that I think that worked. Do you think that worked? Yeah, that worked out pretty well. <laughs> third round. Uh-huh. Uh huh. 2018. Joseph Noteboom. Third round. Micah Kaiser. Fifth round. Uh, Sebastian Joseph Day just left in free agency. Yeah. Uh, Twenty uh, sixth round. Trayvon Howard. Seventh round. 2019. Taylor Rapp. Second round. Um, David Edwards. Fifth round. Nick Scott. The safety. Seventh round, Cam Akers, Van Jefferson, Jordan Fuller. I mean, they've Cam Akers. Akers. (laughs) (laughs) This has become the new. Isn't that weird or uh, (laughs) aha? We go go through our. Yeah, we go through our trends. Right, we do. Yeah, we're always evolving, Jared. Just real quick, do you think? Do you? How much credit do you give to that as being able to spot talent? How much credit do you give it to being? How much to, to develop talent? I think, and I think there's a third piece to that: plugging the right players into the systems that are in place. Yeah, right. Which I think the Cardinals have struggled with mightily, especially mightily. on the defensive mightily. side of the ball the last two years. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, but I think right. I think those are all all keys that the Rams do very very I mean, well. Going back to uh, Dayon Buchanan, they've got a maddening history of trying to change guys, turn them into something they're not, and then failing, and then oh. losing them, and then off they go. And it actually worked out pretty well with Dayon Buchanan, uh-huh. but he was a hard hitting safety at a Washington State. They created this linebacker uh-huh. position. Do you remember how much he hated being called a linebacker? Yes, I he do. He hated yeah, it. I do remember Played that. Played the position, but you couldn't yeah. call him that. Yeah. <laughs> you can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, we'll go league-wide. Maybe some rule changes coming on the field and the way coaches are hired. We'll get into all of it next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The broadcasters of your area in voluntary Dan Bickley, Vince Morata. Bickley and Morata Mornings. 98.7 FM, Arizona's Sports Station. You know, I think this particular change, which is requiring not just interviews, but a hire, uh, is in response to a couple of criticisms of the existing rules, or a couple of the explanations for why the existing rules have uh, not led to increased diversity amongst the highest coaching ranks. One, that sometimes, and a lot of, I mean, this is, of course, the foundation of Brian Flores' lawsuit uh, against the NFL, that the um, many of these interviews are, quote-unquote, sham interviews, that they're only done to satisfy the rule, but they're done often with teams that have already picked a candidate. Uh, and I think, clearly, this addresses that. That's Mina Kimes from ESPN commenting on the uh, rule change that goes into effect for 2022 in the NFL. Kind of an, a, 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 an addendum to the Rooney Rule. Uh, the league, as part of its diversity effort, owners uh, adopting a policy that allows for the coach uh, that is re- every team's required to hire a new coach, a minority coach, mm. or a female a f- offensive assistant for 2022. Um, the coach will sign a one year deal and be paid from a league wide fund. What this does, um, you know, this is a further step again to increase diversity, but what this does is it gets more minority coaches, female coaches into the whole pool, Uh and I think future creates more opportunities for them to lock down regular um, paid jobs from from teams because if if there's more candidates in the pool, you would expect more opportunity, right? Well, that's how it's supposed to work in theory, yes. yes, right. So no, but it's good, and I and I do believe that trying things like that is is the path to a solution rather than not. And, and there are a lot of people who get very very worked up about that because they conflate the issue with well, no, just pick the right candidate, and it's the real world should be forced to hire right, anybody. right. And and look, there's a lot of elements of truth to that as well. But when you've got an issue like the NFL does with diversity hirings. Then, then you have to attack it. You have to try things. Yeah. So, and they've tried for years and years and yep. years, and they continue to tweak the Rooney Rule, which has been criticized for mm-hmm. a long time. Yep. Uh, because of its ineffectiveness, but to, to take it to this level and require one hiring, you know, maybe that's a step in the right direction. Well, it, go back in history because there was a time when Russ Grimm was going to get the head coaching job in Pittsburgh, and and I know this because it it was reported that he had even told his kids, "Hey, I got this job," mm-hmm. and then the Rooney Rule kind of the the Steelers were reminded that, "Hey, there's this rule we're trying to kind of follow that's named after your owner." And Mike Tomlin was named the head coach of the Steelers a couple days later, and he's been there 
ever since, and he has been a tremendous head coach. Absolutely. And tremendous. Wonder, with, with, with the Steelers organization's record of uh, stability, you wonder, though, if, if Russ Grimm would have got that job. Would he still be there? I know. I don't know. No. Well, that's a good that's a good question. It is a different kind of organization. I remember early on in in Mike Tomlin's career, I thought, okay, this guy really has a great relatability and a great way of talking football to players and and motivating players and getting players to believe. He's not really that good in game, though. He his his sideline machinations really leave a lot to be desired. I, I I'm dropping that. He's been in the league what 15 years now. Mm-hmm. Never had a losing record. Pretty good run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of. <laughs> Pretty good run. Uh-huh. Uh, on the subject of sham interviews, which is what the Rooney rule is now kind of trying to protect against, Brian Flores obviously uh, filed a lawsuit against the NFL, a couple of its teams claiming just that, and it was stemming from the New York Giants uh, situation where he thought he was getting the job, didn't get the job. Brian Dayball got that job instead. So that's one of the three teams' name. More coaches are jumping up. We don't know the identities that. of the coaches yet. But more coaches are jumping into that uh, lawsuit. John Mara at the league meetings in Palm Beach, Florida, he's the president of the Giants. He said, yeah, that's uh, all those allegations from Brian Flores, not true. The allegations are false, and, and we're very comfortable with our hiring process, and uh, it was a fair process, and we ended up making the decision that we made based on a lot of factors, none of which had to do with race. He also said they are not likely to settle that lawsuit, so that's... That's going to yeah, go to trial. Yeah, that's that's that could be that could be problematic for the NFL. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you think they're sweating a little bit? Yeah, maybe. You uh-huh. think they might be putting pressure on John? Mer- yeah, maybe just settle that. one. Maybe just settle that one. Yeah, I think that's probably how that's going to end up. Uh, the other thing that's being uh, debated about in Palm Beach is possible changes to the NFL overtime rules. Yeah. It's on the table again. It comes down to one game, a playoff game between Kansas City and Buffalo. Kansas City uh, beat Buffalo. Uh, they scored without Buffalo getting a possession. So there's all these proposals now of teams getting uh, at least one possession in overtime. Mike Tomlin, the aforementioned Mike Tomlin, the uh, head coach of the Steelers, says, I don't want to change anything. To be quite honest with you, I'm a sudden death advocate. I'm a traditionalist. I don't fear sudden death, and I never have. Uh, but obviously, I lost that battle a decade ago. <laughs> but my position remains unchanged. <laughs> I am one of the few sudden death advocates, I would imagine. That is pretty gutsy to say that phrase yeah. out loud. I don't fear sudden death. Yeah, right. That is true. You're right. You're tempting fate. Yeah, that's right. He's exactly. In the face of right. Sudden, he's right. giddy about it. Yeah. That, I, are they putting too much effort into this? It's it's always a handful of games yeah, that, I, that affect this thinking every year. Yes. I, I think the NFL, the NFL doesn't look at it from a fairness standpoint. The NFL looks at it from a television product standpoint. And so they look at that Buffalo-Kansas City game and they say to themselves, you know what would have been great? It would have been great to see Josh Allen have another shot given the day that he was spinning. Yes. That's and, what the fans would have wanted. And that's what the fans want. They, it wasn't so much the outcome. It was the fact that that guy didn't get a chance when he was rolling hot. And that's what football fans wanted to see. More of a transcendent player in the midst of a transcendent game. Mm-hmm. So to me, I think the solution is just simple. It, it just change the overtime rule if if you have to but just make it equitable in in the in the in the playoffs make it such in the playoffs 
that the other team gets a shot with the ball. Just in the postseason. I don't know if that's clean or not. I personally, I love the Ravens' proposal. The spot and choose rule, where one team picks where the ball gets placed, uh, and the other team can say, okay, you take it, or we'll take it. I think that's good. But it's it would make people's minds explode. It's making my mind explode right now. <laughs> it's 654. Right? I don't want to do that much thinking right See, that's, now. That's something that, like, baseball... Should think of like a radical, like exciting thing like that. Uh-huh. It's probably something the NFL doesn't need to put in. Right. Something that complicated, that interesting, that you know. But even radically team, different. And I know it, uh, people will argue, oh, it comes overtime always comes down to a coin flip. That doesn't hold out statistically to be true. But you also know if you lose the coin flip, you know what you have to do. Mm-hmm. You have to prevent that team from scoring a touchdown, and you will get your hands on the ball. The numbers, the numbers are skewed in the playoff. You're right about that. The the coin flip impact is lessened in the regular season, but in the playoffs, yes. it soars. You and know that's why that? Because is... you're dealing with the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Well, that plus you're also dealing with the finality of losing a playoff game tends to clench some defensive <laughs> coordinators true. up yeah, a little bit. That's a There's great not point a too. A whole lot of risks being yeah, that's taken. That's a great point too. And they'll just sit back and and let the offense chew up yardage. So what I'm saying is, come on. So what you're saying grow is grow a pair. So what you're saying is the NFL are having meetings in Palm Beach. Why don't they ever have meetings in Albuquerque or Des Moines? They're not stupid. They're at the breakers, for goodness sake. Why don't they have them at Detroit was a banner day. Why didn't they just have the meetings in Detroit? Yes. <laughs> Palm Beach, Florida. Palm Beach proper, as they call it, might be the most pretentious place on earth. It's really. Really? Oh, wow. it's so stuffy rich there. Let me introduce you to California. <laughs> the whole state? Northern, what, Bakersfield? Southern. Yeah. Fresno? <laughs> Sacktown? <laughs> Maybe not Sacktown. El Centro? Yeah. Uh, I should have excluded Riverside. This, yeah. <laughs> River. Uh, yeah. Yeah, the, but they they have to put it in a tropical, warm location because Andy Reid has to wear his gigantic That's... Hawaiian shirt every year. <laughs> <laughs> he, the, the coach's picture came out yesterday too. Uh-huh. Did you peruse that at all? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, Matt, Matt Rule was the uh, he was the target this year. Yeah, most people Here, made fun of his appearance. There's a handful of guys in the picture wearing sunglasses. Do you think Cliff Kingsbury is one of them? Ding, ding, ding. And shorts. <laughs> uh, yeah, he's one of two two coaches wearing shorts. <laughs> <laughs> is he really? I mean, he's yeah. in Florida, yeah. right? Him yeah. and Andy Reid. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Have you subscribed to the... Uh, I think I saw a picture of Bill Belichick wearing shorts yesterday. Yes, Did I see he that wasn't correctly? in that picture, though. He never poses for the picture, but he and was there. sandals, I think. Yeah. With wow. those shorts. Uh, yeah. Palm Beach. My hairy toes are on, <laughs> on display. Yeah. I don't like shoes. I moisturize <laughs> my feet. I want to show them off. Have you subscribed to the Bickley and Murata podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. You'll never miss any of the show. It's the Bickley and Murata podcast. It's brought to you by Carol Royce, Keller Williams, Realty East Valley, Get the most money selling your home for cash. Go to highestprice.com. That's highestprice.com. Coming up next, we're at the point in the offseason where we still have a lot of questions about the relationship between Kyler Murray and the Arizona Cardinals. But think about it for a second. It could be a lot more mystery-filled. We'll tell you why next. Bickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.